Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing the Lagan Valley area filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, lagonvalleyvineyard.com. Folks, you're really welcome. If we haven't met before, my name's Andy. I'm part of the team here. And if you are a guest or a visitor, uh, we are thrilled that you're here and really do hope that you feel at ease and at home uh, among us. Yeah, just before we jump in this morning, I really want to, um, Andy, fire up our Big Church Day Out slide. I really want to encourage you to come along to Murlock House on the 25th of May. Uh, just wave at me for a second if uh, you've signed up to that. It's okay. You can be honest. There's two of you. Brilliant. That's amazing. Let's try this, right? Wave at me if you think you might come on the 25th of May. Right, see, this is our problem. So, so I had a moment this week where I thought about something that maybe needs clarified. I wonder how many of you think that Lagan Valley Vineyard employs some pretty scary enforcers. And if you sign up to something and don't come they're liable to knock on your door. Is that, what, is that the problem? That you're like, you know, life happens. I don't want to sign up and if I don't come, those scary people are going to come knock on my door. Let's just myth bust that right now. There are no Lagan Valley Vineyard enforcers other than, I guess, the Holy Spirit who can make you feel bad at times, but um, we won't ask him to do that. So if you haven't signed up and intend to come, just sign up for us, would you? And if something happens and you end up not coming, we'll be okay with that, Okay. So, because this is what usually happens, right? 50 of you sign up and then 500 show up. And like, that doesn't really affect me. I'm be honest, that doesn't affect me. And usually when we're doing a debrief or a review, I'm like, wasn't it amazing how many people there? And there's usually a couple of staff members. I won't name any names other than Laura. And uh, <laughs> who are going, 50 of them said they were coming and 500 of them came. And that was pretty stressful. And as you can understand, for somebody who's organized an event, that is pretty stressful. So if you think you might come, just go online before you leave today and sign up. That would be really, really helpful for us. All right? Are you going to sign up? Yeah. You're lying. <laughs> I have no confidence. So what I would like to do is Sunday the 26th, actually stand up and say, 500 signed up and 500 showed up. That was amazing. Uh, but I'm, I'm not confident. A uh, couple of things uh, just on Church Day Out. We are going to do an hour of uh, program stuff in the afternoon, okay? Jason Scott from the Vineyard in Nagannon is going to come up and do a workshop on the prophetic and healing force. I'm going to do uh, like an introduction to Compass, okay? So you've just seen the video. I'm going to do like a 45-minute-ish Compass promo. So any of you that are thinking about Compass can come along to that. And we are going to do some kids programming for our little party, big party, house party age. Okay, are we doing house party? We are. Yes, we are. Brilliant. So um, just on the kids stuff, if you can help, we need 15 or 16 uh, people to help with the hour-long kids program. Here's what we would love to do. We would love those of you who don't currently serve in little party or big party to get involved in that that day. It's only for an hour. It'll be loads of fun because usually our kids leaders actually miss out on all the other stuff because they're doing the stuff with the kids. So if you think, do you know what? I could do an hour in a big field with some toddlers or kids and bouncy castles and talking to them about Jesus and all that kind of stuff. See Chris this morning. Chris, see Chris this morning if you can do that for an hour um, in the afternoon for our kids. Wonderful. So we're here. The moment has arrived. 
I feel like I need some like dramatic X Factor music or something. This is the big reveal. This is metrics, the results. I should have got like James up here to be like my Ant and Dex sidekick or something. Um, it's not very good at statistics and details, so I'm not sure that would have gone very well. But um, I, know, I know it's true. He's very good at lots of other things. You saw that this morning. But you know, um, yeah, you're all like, "Wow, well, Andy, that's harsh." You know, <laughs> sorry. Um, if you're a visitor or if you're a guest, this is not normal. Okay, so the next kind of 30 minutes will be different to what we normally do in this kind of space in our Sunday gatherings. But uh, from the end of February through to the middle of April. We did a series called Metrics, and really what we set out to do was measure the things that are really, really important to us as a community. So whenever I go to conferences or I'm around other church leaders, it usually um, doesn't take very long for the really important church leader question to get asked. And most of you aren't church leaders, so you maybe don't know what I'm talking about. But usually, whenever I go to those kind of things, very quickly in the conversation, some people are just bold as brass. They just want to ask it. Other people try to be sneaky and find out. But the question is this, how many people come? Like That's usually the question people want to ask me whenever they hear that I lead a church and all that sort of stuff. Well, how many people are in your church? Because obviously, you know, the bigger the attendance, the better the church, right? No. See, the reality is that the health of the church is not determined whatsoever by the number of people that attend. And for a long time, uh, that was our metric in terms of that's what we measured weekly. And it is important. That's why we added a second morning service last year, because everybody couldn't fit in the room. And as we plan forward and all that sort of stuff, it's important that we know how many people are in the building. But it doesn't tell us anything about how healthy our community is. And more importantly, it doesn't tell us anything about how we're doing in the things that God's actually asked us to prioritize and do. And so the whole metric series was us kind of pushing pause and teaching into what really mattered and then trying to measure that. And so if you were here for that, you'll remember every week you got a survey and every week we asked you to fill out the survey. And uh, this morning I want to talk through uh, those results. I want to just uh, remind you, um, in case you weren't here or you need reminded, what we were talking about as our goal or our definition of the Christian life. Andy, can you throw this up? This is what we're reaching for as a community, that ordinary Christianity is this, surrendering our entire lives to the rule and the reign of Jesus, and learning from Jesus how to demonstrate that rule and reign through our lives and in our communities for the flourishing of everybody. That's what this is all about. And this became our kind of guide through the seven different stages of what we measured this Statement. Over seven weeks, we unpacked and measured our surrender to Jesus, our devotional rhythms of prayer and engagement with the scriptures, our evangelistic fervor and ability, our generosity, our vocational clarity, our relational, relational health, and our ability to live naturally supernatural lives. This is really what we were, we were doing. And so uh, before I jump in, I just want to say thank you to all of you who kind of committed to that for the seven weeks. I know it was tricky. Somebody commented, and if I never see another survey in my life, it will be too soon. Um, so I really, really want to appreciate, uh, say thank you, and I really appreciate your engagement with this. And hopefully, as we work through some of this this morning, um, at least some of you will find this helpful. I did comment to somebody, this is one of those Sundays where like half the room will be like, this is awesome, I love this. And half the room will be like, would you ever flip and shut up about statistics? 
Um, but really the point of this is that we would learn um, where we actually are and in light of that be able to respond to what we feel like God is saying and doing, uh, doing among us. So um, week one, we talked about surrender. See, the reality is the Christian life is way more about that than it is about believing. That might seem like a bit of a head tilt for some of you, but um, this thing called discipleship is about way more than just believing in Jesus. It's about actually following him. Dana and I have this kind of moment of, um, I guess we connect on, on this question often, because it's really, really easy to move from a position or a posture of pursuit and follow to one of belief. And belief is actually quite static and it doesn't cost you anything. And some of the questions we ask each other all the time are, where are you actually following Jesus? Not just believing in Jesus. Where is Jesus actually leading you towards people and places that cost you and make you uncomfortable? It's really, really important that um, we measure our discipleship by our surrender to Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. We are not so much supposed to invite Jesus to be part of our lives or invite him into our heart. We are supposed to surrender everything to him and his rule and reign. Learning to live in Christ requires us to surrender everything. And our metric for surrender was baptism. So we taught into baptism is this beautiful kind of picture of surrendering to Jesus. It's really, really interesting whenever we do baptisms. Often somewhere in the process of talking to people, people ask about that moment. If you've been at one of our baptism services, we get everybody up here and then they get a microphone and we ask them to share why they're being baptized. And it's really interesting the amount of people that are like, I'd really rather not do that, Andy. Like, I really want to get baptized. I really don't want to say anything in front of anybody. In fact, somebody once asked me, could you not just come around and do it in the bath? I was like, that would be weird. (laughs) Yeah, I know, you've all got some weird images in your head. Move on quick. Um, What's interesting is when it comes to baptism, this moment of standing up in front of your community, standing in front of your community and sharing why you're being baptized is a costly one. It costs it's a moment where you're like, I, 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 this, uh, I'm uncomfortable, I don't like public speaking and all that kind of stuff. And it's so important that you understand that's what discipleship is. It's costly and it's worth everything. It's costly and it's worth everything. The key stat from baptism that we found interesting was that 23% of you said you wanted to be baptized here at Lagenfall Vineyard. 23% of those of you survey, surveyed said you want to get baptized. Now, over the last few weeks, we've baptized 17 different people. It's been such a privilege. It's been beautiful. We're going to throw some more people into the sea uh, in Dundrum at the end of the month, and uh, that's going to be cold and so much fun. Um, but the reality is the 17 last month and the five or six, I think, at the minute that are, I've signed up this month, don't come near to that number of 23% of you saying, I feel, like, I feel like I need to be baptized. And so here's what I want to say. If you answered that question saying, I know I need to be baptized, but I've bumped into something, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, I want to ask you if you do it in the bath, but that's weird, you know, just email me. I'd love to talk. Don't let that just nibble away at your head or your heart. 
Let's have a conversation and talk about what's actually getting in the way. I promise you, I won't just throw water in your face and say, ha, I got you. I'd love to, I'd love to just help you process uh, through that. So email me, andy at lagonvalleyvineyard.com, and we'd love to talk. Week two, we talked about devotional rhythms. How often do we pray and how often do we engage in the scripture? Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. 76% of you say that you pray at least once a day, and there's a really high number in there that's several times a day. 76% of you pray every single day. When we move on to thinking about how often we engage in scriptures, that drops to 28%. 28% of you saying that you engage in the scriptures on a daily on a daily basis. What's really interesting about that to me is 2007, the Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, massive church, some of you will know um, of it. In 2007, this is mad, isn't it? They paid $3 million to a consultancy firm to come and audit their ministry. $3 million, right? And what they were auditing was how effective are all of our church ministries at helping people grow in their faith? That was the question that they wanted these consultants to come and look at. And of course, um, like there's just tons of activity going on, tons of different programs, tons of different ministries. And uh, what the consultancy firm found out was completely shocking to them and most of uh, the church in the West. What they discovered was that church ministries and programs had virtually no impact on whether people were actually growing and maturing in their faith. Engagement with church ministries and programs didn't really have much of an impact. There was one thing that they discovered set apart those who were really growing and maturing in their faith and those who weren't. Do you know what it was? Reading your Bible every day. Isn't that so interesting? That you can literally, like Willow Creek's budget at that time was multiple million dollars a year in church ministries and programs. And these guys come in forensically auditing everything and come back going, "Mm, not sure that's a great use of your money. Not sure it's overly effective. But people that are reading the Bible every day, they're growing. They're growing. I wonder how many of you feel a bit stuck or stagnant. What if you didn't need a new conference? What if you didn't need the latest incredible book? What if you didn't need a new podcast or a better preacher on Sunday? What if actually fighting to create space in your morning or your evening to open the Bible and in your own fumbly, confused way, say, God, would you speak to me and began to read? What if that number could double over the next year? Where all of us together were prioritizing, engaging in this ancient text that transforms people's lives. We're going to um, do some work through the summer to help with this come September. We're going to send you all a, a Langeval Vineyard reading plan because I know lots of you said, I just don't know where to start. 
It's massive. Do you just open it and read a verse? Do you pick a book? What, what do you do? So come, we're going to work through this through the summer. Come September, we're going to send you an LVV reading plan. And uh, we'd love to work towards, I think we're ambitious to get this done by September, but sometime hopefully over the next year, we're going to start some sort of LVV devotional where we just send out a, a daily thing so we can all actually be on the same page with this and work towards it. Uh, week three was St. Patrick's Day, and we talked about evangelistic fervor and ability. Mark 16, verse 15 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. I remember a few years ago talking to a parent who's really concerned. Their two and a half year old was engaging in a little party and was trying to share the gospel with their pet dog. And uh, I was like, it's in the Bible. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Um, the two and a half year old was ahead of the rest of us. So, if you feel led to evangelize horses or cows or animals on the farm, knock yourself out. Um, it's so important to us in this community that we are engaged in this thing called share, sharing our faith. If we really believe that we've met God and He loves us and He's for us and He longs to bless us. How could we ever keep that to ourselves? Uh, 84% of you said sharing your faith in Jesus with others is important to you. 84% said sharing your faith in Jesus is really, really important to you. I thought that was amazing. The next question was incredibly helpful. 51% of you said that you don't feel equipped or able to share your faith. So 84%, this is really, really important, 51%, but I have no idea how. It would seem quite clear that we need to do some training. And um, just to put you in the picture, next year, 2020, we will be taking part uh, fully in an initiative called 10,000 Lives, Crown Jesus. Some of you will know Crown Jesus, uh, parachurch ministry uh, working all over Ireland. Uh, Crown Jesus are coming to Lisburn to help lead a project called 10,000 Lives, asking the question, what would it require of the church in Lisburn to see 10,000 lives touched with the gospel of the kingdom and the life of Jesus? And so we're going to be taking part in that. And part of what that will involve is loads of training and sharing your faith and pray for people and all that sort of stuff. So that is absolutely in the pipeline and is coming. What might be helpful for you to know, we talked about Compass this morning. And uh, last week I sent some specific questions to some Compass students. And uh, what's interesting is uh, 84% of people that have done Compass said they felt very equipped and able to share their faith with others. Takeaway, if you want to learn how to share your faith, sign up and do Compass. Okay? Um, I thought that was helpful. Um, week four, we talked about generosity. We say this all the time here, that we are never more like God than when we're being generous. Than when we're being generous. It is impossible to follow Jesus and live a life focused on yourself. The reality is it is possible to believe in Jesus and live a life focused on yourself. That's the difference. Following Jesus, he will always lead you to others and beyond yourself. It's impossible for him not to because that's who he is. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. For God loves a cheerful giver. 53% of you are giving away 10% or more of your income. More than half of you are budgeting to give away 10% or more 
of everything that you make. I love that. We've said from the very beginning that generosity is so important to us as a community. You maybe didn't know this, but last year, 2018, we gave away 15,000 pounds to other churches and church plants across uh, the country, one just across the city and the other one up in Larne. Um, 53% of you are budgeting to give away 10% or more of your income. Uh, if you look actually at what people give to Lagan Valley Vineyard, then that drops to 26%. 26% give 10% or more to LVV. And um, this next stat nearly broke my brain, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, we asked those of you who are paying tax how, um, if you're gift dating or not. And was it 54% of taxpayers giving to Lagan Valley Vineyard either aren't or are unsure if we are receiving gift aid on their benefit. If you're not sure what gift aid is, gift aid is money you've paid on tax that the government will give back to us for what we're doing. It's not quite free money, but it's close, right? And all it requires for you to do is fill in a gift aid form, okay? So if you're giving to Lagan Valley Vineyard and you pay tax and you're in that 54%, don't leave this morning without filling in a gift aid form. Do you know what would make, our, would make our hearts so happy if this week, while processing a load of gift aid forms, we were able to say, oh, by the way, you already were, right? So don't worry about wasting our time. Maybe I did fill one of those in, maybe I didn't. You know, it's really, it's really, really important to us. So please fill in a gift aid form before you leave this morning. Um, Lots of you commented on the week we did on generosity that you'd be interested in seeing Lagan Valley Vineyard's finances. Um, we'd usually do a report once a year, uh, which will be happening in June. Okay, so Mark, who chairs our board, is going to be doing some feedback uh, on, on that in June. We'll be kind of overview of uh, what came in and where that kind of was, was spent percentage-wise. But for any of you that want more detail than that, our accounts are completely public. Okay? So if you want to see a detailed copy of our accounts, just email me or Mark at Lagan Valley Vineyard. We're just finishing them off at the minute because they need to be submitted to the Charities Commission this month. Um, but if you do want to see the detailed version of the accounts, just email us. We would be delighted to send them on uh, to you if you want to look at that. Um, what's interesting about our financial health over the last seven years is it's been more or less the same from we've begin, begun. From the very beginning of Lagan Valley Vineyard, we have more or less had just about enough money coming in to cover what goes out every month, which has been a bit of a roller coaster faith for some of us, but actually, when you look at that backwards, it's been really cool just to see how every time we've employed somebody, we haven't, uh, up until last summer, actually, first time last summer was us employing people from a position of, we actually have the budget to employ these people. Every single employee up until that was like, we think we need to do this, we're going to trust God that the money will come, and... Um, Last summer was the first time we, we did that. So, so it was, it's been really f- fun in some ways, but also very limiting. Because the reality is that the biggest barrier for us to do ministry is, is money. It's not opportunities. Um, it's not invitations. It's just simply, it's simply budget. And so we said the week we taught on giving, I just want to remind you, I'd love you to just prayerfully consider um, prioritizing giving to LVV or increasing what you already give. I had the most amazing moment last Sunday night at Jericho where a 23-year-old in our community came up to me and gave me a thousand pounds. And uh, that's the third time, second or third time they've done that uh, over the last 12 or 18 months. But this is what they said last Sunday night when they gave me that money. They said, Andy, I was really struck. 
that Sunday you taught on generosity when you said it's not generosity until it's sacrificial. And they said, every time I've given over the last year significant amounts of money, budget for holiday and all that sort of stuff, said every time it's been surplus, really. And so I was, God spoke to me about giving to a project and I really thought, well, I've got, it's got to cost me. And so I was going to give you 400 quid, but actually here's 1,000. Isn't that amazing? 23 years old. We are most like God when we're being generous. We're most like God when we're being generous. And so I'd love you to uh, pray about that. Uh, if you did miss the Sunday we talked on generosity, please go back and um, catch the podcast. It'll give you a much bigger picture of what we're doing, what we're trying to do, and why, and all that sort of stuff. I don't have time to unpack that all fully this morning, but um, really encourage you to go and pick up the generosity podcast. It is on the website and on Apple and all those other platforms. Um, how are you doing? Are you okay? We're, st- we're still there? Great. Week five, only a few more. Week five, we talked about vocational clarity. Ephesians 22 and 23 say this, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The goal of the church is to fill everything in every way with the presence of Jesus. Not just church ministries or services, but our schools, our hospitals, our businesses, and our communities. The truth is, here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, we're not trying to recruit anyone, we're trying to release everyone. That together we would learn to demonstrate the reality of the present rule and reign of Jesus in our everyday, ordinary lives. 73% of you say that you see your everyday, ordinary work connected to the activity of of the kingdom of God. I love that. That nearly three quarters of you are saying, whatever I do tomorrow, social work, estate agency, classroom assistance, being a fireman, being a parent, that this is a part of what God is doing in the world. 82% of you pray for your work on a daily or weekly basis. I must say that As a staff, we find this hugely encouraging. Uh, The reality is, this is what we've been talking about for seven years. I had my letter of resignation ready if this, that was through the floor. Our commitment as we move forward is to continue to prioritize this. What would be quite easy for us as we work through this is to take the things that are really low and go right focus there. And there are some things that are low that we want to focus on, but we must not and we refuse to remove our focus from this. That you know whatever it is you're doing this time tomorrow really matters to God and it really matters to us. That when you start a new business, we'll recognize it and we'll pray for you. That when you step out to begin to move towards something in your work, we will recognize it and pray for you. At an amazing moment after the 9.45, where a guy came up to me and he said, I just realized this morning... I always complain about my work. There are 550 people in the company that I work for, and my job means I have to move around and talk to lots of them. That's 550 people that I potentially get to be praying for and connecting with and helping connect to Jesus every single week. What if I changed my mindset to look something like that? And I was like, yep, you're in. (laughs) 
what if our work wasn't just this thing that we've got to do so that we get a paycheck, but what if actually it was a place and a space for you to join in with what Jesus is doing in people's lives? Again, um, that's what Compass is for, right? So if you're thinking, wow, what would that look like for me? Because I'm in this thing over here. <laughs> just do Compass. I promise it'll help. Um, week six, we talked about relational health. Uh, Philippians 2, Paul says that in our relationships with each other, we're to have the same mindset of that as that of Christ Jesus. 41% of you said that you struggle with loneliness in some capacity. Just let that sit on you for a second. 41%, not quite, but nearly half of the room saying, yeah, loneliness is a battle for me. What if that kind of awkward space before somebody up here starts to play an instrument or those moments before you actually got it in your car? What if actually, like, collectively, we just decided every time we gather, we're going to try and spot people here on their own? with a cup of coffee in their hand or sitting in a chair? What if you didn't need to have a welcome lanyard or be here for four years to actually walk up to people and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I promise you nothing weird will happen. Well, I can't make that promise. (laughs) Some of us are weird. I promise you nothing dangerous will happen. The reality is that there are many of us right now sitting here going, does anybody see me and does anybody care? You can change that. You can change that. And if you're the sort of person who feels like you need permission from somebody in some sort of authority, you have permission. You can do that. You can absolutely do that. The reality is, though, that this is not a great environment for that, even if we got really, really good at that. Because you might just get into an interesting conversation and then somebody very loud in the drums is going to start making noise, you know? It's like, oh, sorry. (laughs) 62% of you said that you feel either somewhat or not very connected here at Lagnavalle Vineyard. Now, the reality is that this is a tricky one because, you know, the not very stat was quite low and the somewhat was between 40 and early 50s. So between 40 and early 50s, you said you feel somewhat connected. That's kind of vague, isn't it? I don't know what you're thinking about that and what, we, what you think we were asking about that. And, you know, are you very connected if you're my friend? And if you're not my friend, then you're somewhat connected. And the reality is there's over 500 of you. And, I mean, I'm interested in getting to know lots of you, but we're just never going to be in the space where all of you are like, yeah, I'm Ali's friend, you know? Um, so we're not exactly sure where, where, what that stat means, but the reality is there are lots of you who feel like you could be more connected to the Lagan Valley Vineyard. And so what I want to say to you this morning is sign up to the church day out, right? Sign up to the church day out. If you're not in a tribe, get involved in a tribe. If tribes are in times or spaces that don't really work for you, then join a serving team here on a Sunday. Not because we need loads of help. We always could do with more help. But the reality is that as people connect to different serving teams, it just, there's just moment and space for people to get to know each other and all that sort of stuff. It's much, much easier to you know, stand out there in a car park for 20 minutes and have a conversation or you know, be serving tea and coffee together and all that sort of stuff. So there are ways that you can uh, do that. But I really want to say this as we think about this connection stat, that's really important. As you prioritize getting more connected, 
as we work on other environments to try to make this as sticky as possible and other spaces for you to connect, it's really important that you're patient. The reality is that healthy friendships take time. And have you ever had a moment where you've met someone for the first time and they give you their life story? Like it's, it's a wee bit like, ooh, right. <laughs> you know? Like healthy friendships take time to develop. And so you need to learn to be patient with that. Show up and take time. Don't go to a tribe once and go, well, you know, like I didn't really, didn't really feel it. You know, like, come on. We need to give each other a wee bit more grace and time than that. We all have awkward or bad moments, right? You know, nothing worse than meeting somebody once and leaving, having decided who they are, right? Like, I hope you don't do that to me. And, you know, I certainly work hard at not doing that to you. (laughs) Be patient. Be patient with each other. Finally, we finished talking about living naturally, supernatural lives. Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, Jesus tells his, tells his followers that as they go into the world, that they're to teach people to obey everything that he commanded them. That's awkward, right? Like it would be really easy if Jesus said, teach people to believe in me. That's not what he says. Teach people to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus commands his disciples to go and heal the sick, cast out demons, Cleanse lepers and raise the dead. How are you doing on that? So much easier to just live in the faith of our parents or cultural Christianity. Try to do good, come to church, you know, be a generally good, upstanding person. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Just don't call it Christianity. Certainly not how Jesus would define it. Teach them to obey Everything that I have commanded you. This is fun. 96% of you said you believe the supernatural power of God is available to you. 96%. I believe the supernatural power of God is available to me. 56% say they actively seek to partner with that on a daily basis. So I believe that all of the power of God is available to me to solve whatever crisis or problem that I'm facing in my everyday life. Just rather not use it. I'm playing because actually this stat has got way more to do with me than it does to do with you. Two issues when it comes to the 56%. One is the issue of paradigm which I've been poking at all morning, that we think this is about belief. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I believe the power of God is available to me. That's Christianity, right? No. Ordering our lives around practicing the presence and ministry of Jesus is the point. So we need to work around our paradigm where we don't allow ourselves to just settle that the whole point of this is that we believe. It's actually that we follow and do. But more importantly than that is the issue of training, which I think is really where most of you are at. 77% of you said that you were either somewhat, not very, or not at all confident or able to pray for healing 
in people. Again, um, <laughs> sorry if this feels like I'm harping on about it, but it is important. 84% of people who've done Compass say that they feel equipped and able to pray for people to experience Jesus in their lives. 60% Compass students said they feel very equipped and able to pray for healing. And when we look at the issue of prophecy, 86% of you said that you were either somewhat, not very, or not at all confident or able uh, to prophesy. This is so important to us that this is partly why we did this whole thing because it's a um, moment of clarity for us as a staff team and for me as a church leader where I get to go, we have some pretty serious work to do. That almost all of you are like, I believe the power of God's available to me. I just don't know what to do with it. And I, and I don't know how. So um, I want to land this morning just talking about a few things that are coming as we respond to all of this uh, together. And then uh, we're going we're gonna to worship uh, together. Um, like I said earlier, uh, Church Day Out at uh, Murlock House. Uh, this is why we're bringing Jason Scott up. Jason's going to do an hour on the prophetic and healing um, for you guys. And we'd love you to connect in with that. Uh, we would be both foolish and naive to think an hour with Jason's going to solve that stat. You're all going to be like, brilliant, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, but it will help. But we're going to change our Jericho format moving forward. Okay, so next Sunday night, we have uh, Stephen Backhouse, a friend of ours, brilliant theologian. He's coming over to do some kingdom training where he's going to look at the big picture of the kingdom of God, how that affects our lives, our politics, all of that sort of stuff. And then come September, our Jericho rhythm is going to change. So the first Sunday night of the month, we're going to continue with our Jericho of intercession and prayer. And then we're going to add a Jericho into the middle of the month, okay, where we're going to look specifically at equipping you to live naturally, supernaturally natural lives. Look at healing, look at the prophetic, look at all that sort of stuff, and uh, build that into what's kind of uh, what's going on. Um, and then, like I've been harping on all morning, is um, you've got compass flyers in your seats. I, I just cannot encourage you more to take those home, have a read, and email me if you've got a question or two about uh, taking part in uh, compass. The reality is that this whole series came out of a space. James, why don't you guys come back up? This whole series came out of a space of us kind of sensing that we were at the kind of end and beginning as a church community. Like it, it feels like the beginning of Lagan Valley Vineyard is over. The reality is that whenever the few of us that started this thing um, did it, we had a big question in our hearts and our minds. God, would you use us to establish a community of faith unapologetically outward focused in the Lagan Valley region? That question has been answered. God has done the most amazing thing here over the last seven years. And the stories of life change are just the most humbling and profound thing. But, but we feel like the beginning is over. And if I was to say to you honestly what I feel like we're moving into, I feel like God's taking us into a place where it's time to grow up. And I don't mean that in the like, oh, grow up, would you? I mean that as in it's a time for us to mature into a fuller expression of who and what God has called us to be. And that really requires us to move, all of us, 
Not just our staff or not just me or not just a few kind of radicals among us, but it requires all of us to actually ask the question, what does it look like for me to build my life on the person, the presence, the ministry of Jesus? How do I move out of a space of belief into a space of active participation in what Jesus is doing tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? What does that look like and what do I need to help get that done? I just wonder how many of us faiths got stale or stagnant or like you're in that camp I've kind of talked about all morning it's like I believe I believe in God, I believe in Jesus just it's not much life it's not a um, all that inspiring way to finish but the question that I, I want to gently ask is where does your belief in Jesus cost you? that's the litmus on am I following him where does it cost you cost you in comfort cost you in finance cost you in faith where is he leading you beyond yourself the resources that you feel like you naturally have and what if today and this week you were able to pray those brave and bold prayers of Jesus I give you permission to interrupt and disrupt my life because the reality is every single time I've stepped out and I've watched this in so many of your lives every single time you've stepped out and your following of Jesus has cost you something every single time the feedback is it was worth whatever it cost it's worth whatever And so, Father, I pray this morning, by your Spirit, would you fill us freshly, not just to believe, but to follow. Give us courage and faith to risk. And would you bless us as we go. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I pray.